we easily become ensnared by and fascinated with movement, with the movements of our lives, the things that need to be done, the endless beginnings and endings we encounter. We also easily become ensnared and fascinated with the movements of our own minds, the number of thoughts that at times bombard us, the busyness and the momentum, and at times the power of the mental states that we experience. In that fascination with movement, it's not always easy for us to remember what it actually feels like inwardly just to be, just to be present, just to be awake, and just to be alive. Fascinated and ensnared with movement, it's not always easy for us to remain connected in a real and vital way with the significance of being present and what a revelation it is to actually be present. And ensnared by that movement, we forget, actually, that most things, most everything of meaning in our lives comes when we actually are connected with what it means to be present that our creativity, our sensitivity, our receptivity, our capacity to give, and also our capacity to receive in a very awake and alive way is rooted in our connection with actually being present. Too often we are kind of dispossessed from that experience. And our dispossession leads us into avenues in our lives and directions in our lives that further alienate us from the richness of being present. We are almost exiled. We find ourselves almost exiled from the significance, truly, of living in this moment and of being awake to this moment. And we follow avenues and directions of distraction, avenues and directions of becoming this and that, avenues and directions in which the goals become all-important rather than the quality of our doing, in which finishing things becomes all-important rather than being present with how we do and how we live and how we relate. We follow those avenues and, and directions too often and in the frequency of following those avenues and directions in which we're exiled from our inner experience and our sense of being present, we become almost afraid, actually, of being present. It feels uncomfortable to us. We've, we become afraid of not even being able to do it ourselves. We at times feel that we've lost the capacity. We become afraid that we've lost something very fundamental to ourselves that can't be recovered. At times we become afraid of turning inwardly for fear of what we may find there, for fear that when we turn our attention inwardly that the inner life or the inner experience we discover may be one that is painful to us, may be one that's overwhelming, may be one that's disillusioning inwardly. And so our attention gets further propelled outwardly, trying to create order in our worlds, trying to control our personal experience and our personal worlds. And safety and order then become the substitutes for being awake. Sanctuary and control become the substitutes 
for being present. In that disconnection that can take place inwardly, we lose connection with the preciousness of each moment. We lose connection with the vitality and the richness that is held within each moment. We forget that each moment that we experience in our lives is something that is so unique, that is so irreplaceable. We forget that everything, that each moment as it unfolds for us in our lives is actually our greatest teacher because each moment for us is also our clearest mirror. In that disconnection, we look for our teachers or for our guides in our lives in centers and structures outside of ourselves. We see authority only existing outside of ourselves. We see dispensers of affirmation as existing only outside of ourselves. And we forget that because each moment is unique, because each moment is a mirror to us, it is all the teacher that we need. And that actually all that we actually need for transformation inwardly lies within each moment. Because each moment that we experience and ourselves in it holds the possibilities of learning, is worthy of sensitivity. Each moment within ourselves we hold within our hands the resources of creativity, the resources of love, the resources of energy, and that all we actually need for transformation lies within that moment. In our disconnection with the preciousness of each moment, at times too we forget that each contact that we make in our lives, each bond that we form with another person, each communication that we engage in with another person is also unique, it's irreplaceable, it's never going to be duplicated again, that same relationship, that same communion. And we forget too that because it is irreplaceable that each interaction, each contact, each relationship is also precious. Disconnected from our inner experience, disconnected from knowing what it means truly to be at home within ourselves and at peace within ourselves, too often we find ourselves only warring inwardly, only resisting, only afraid, only anxious that we're somehow not going to meet up to our expectations, that we're somehow not worthy, that we're somehow not adequate or acceptable. And we lo lose in that disconnection an honest and a caring inner relationship. Instead we have only struggle and we replace inner connection with images and models and roles and identities. They become our substitutes for an authentic inner direction and for an authentic inner vision. And they become very poor substitutes. There are moments in our lives when we can actually connect with being present. Very unpredictable moments. And we realize when we are actually connected, when we have a communication with another person, in which we're truly present. When we have a moment with nature in which we're truly sensitive, 
when we have a moment within ourselves, when we're truly open-hearted to who we are, we realize in a very profound way how very precious those moments are, how very vital, how very rich, and how very necessary that quality of connection is inwardly. And we have, when we experience those moments of truly being present, we treasure that experience. We treasure that inner connection so deeply and so fundamentally. And when we're present, a spontaneous and organic expression of a true connection with the moment is not only an inner appreciation, but an appreciation that extends to everything that we touch and everything that touches us. We feel inwardly a spontaneous honoring of the life and the spirit and the integrity of all of life. An integral expression of that sense of being present is being open, open-hearted, open within ourselves. Because when we are truly present, we're actually not afraid. When we are truly present and grounded inwardly, it's in those moments that we're actually not afraid that we don't feel the need to resist, that we don't feel the need to avoid, that we don't feel the need to armor ourselves in any way against what is unfolding in the present moment. And when that armoring is not there, when that resistance and avoidance is not there, we are receptive, we are sensitive, and we are caring for the world around us and for our own inner being To come to that kind of connection, that true sense of being present, we must be willing to meet ourselves as we are. We must be willing at least to cross the barriers of our own anxieties and our own resistances and our own models and our own images and actually meet ourselves as we are in this moment and in each moment. And when we do begin to meet ourselves, it is then that we have a more total and clear picture of who we are. You know, when we spend our lives avoiding who we are, or trying to distract ourselves from who we are, or trying to armor ourselves against who we are because we feel fundamentally that there is something amiss or incomplete within ourselves, because we feel that there is something unworthy or unacceptable within ourselves, then basically in that armoring and in that resisting and that avoiding, it's based upon focusing upon only a very limited vision of who we are. You know, avoidance and resistance is based upon focusing upon the negative within ourselves. We obviously don't try and resist or avoid things that we feel are very positive or worthwhile around ourselves. Hmm? We're very selective in our avoidance. It's in relationship to what we reject or what we deny inwardly. And yet in that avoidance and in that denial and armoring that can come about through that limited vision, basically we also obstruct and prevent ourselves from holding an authentic and a total vision of who we are as a human being. And when we aren't connected with that total vision of who we are as a human being, basically we cannot tap into the resources that lie within ourselves. 
we hold resources within ourselves. Often those resources are dormant. At times they're unexplored. At times we don't even believe that they are there. But we hold within ourselves a potential to be fully clear, fully loving, fully compassionate human beings. And we hold within the re ourselves the resources of energy, of awareness, of sensitivity and open-heartedness. And it's when we can tap into the resources within ourselves that are present within ourselves, it is by tapping into those resources that we actually are empowered through those resources to realize and fulfill the potential that lies within us. It's all too easy to live a life when we are strangers to ourselves and strangers to others. To live a life when we're disconnected from a true sense of communication and communion with others. To live a life when we feel also dispossessed of our inner experience. At times we just live in constructs. When that connection and inner connection isn't present, Basically, what we do is live in a life, in a world, a mental world of constructs about others and about ourselves. We think that we know other people. And at times our knowing, again, is only based upon isolating particular tendencies or patterns or qualities within another person and then creating an image on the basis of that isolation and if we are disconnected inwardly, of course, it's very difficult to connect outwardly. If we can't connect with a total picture of who we are, it's very hard to connect with a total picture of another. And living in those constructs, we live only in a world of images. And living in a world of images, there is distance, there is barriers. Often our relationship to images, to the images we hold about another person, again is either to struggle and to war with them or else to pursue them because we feel some kind of compatibility or enhancement through them. We also hold constructs about ourselves or live in a world of constructs about ourselves when there's not that true inner connection. Sometimes we think we know ourselves or we know who we are. Often what we know is who we think we are. Often our knowledge of ourselves is based upon our reactions, how we react to others, how we react to ourselves. Often our sense of knowing ourselves is based upon isolating some particular quality that we experience inwardly. I'm angry, I'm jealous, I'm defensive. This, when dwelt upon, when isolated, when believed in, becomes our reality. Our image becomes our reality. And then we see so much conflict in our lives, inner conflict, because our image doesn't meet up to who we would like to be, to who we think we should be, because we feel our image or our knowing of ourselves is unacceptable. And we also have so much conflict with others. And when you look, you know, because one image meets up with another image, there's no communion there, no connection there. And of course, there is this conflict, this harshness between the meeting of those two images. 
when you look at what so much conflict is in life, it is basically one person's conditioning clashing with another person's conditioning. And there is struggle. But if we believe in our images and in our conditioning to be the truth of who we are, then we automatically almost always believe that the conditioning, the image of another person is also the truth of who they are. And so there are bridges that cannot be crossed. There's distances that cannot be bridged. There's separations that cannot be joined because images can't know true connection. That kind of isolation or constructs simply can't know any real quality of connection. That disconnection is created through different reasons. It's created at times through the busyness of our lives. At times we are just so busy finishing something, beginning something else, leaving something behind to start another, that we're always involved in a state of becoming something, of movement, and we don't know how to be. We don't know what it means to be amidst that movement. And in that, too often, in that fascination with our movement, we experience a fundamental pain of alienation. Times our disconnection is created through fear, through fear of what might happen, or who we might be if we're actually connected inwardly. At times our alienation is created just through habit. We become so accustomed just to acting and living and relating through particular roles and identities that it's not easy for us to step outside of those roles and identities. None of us ever experiences total and complete disconnection and dispossession. There are certainly moments in our lives when we experience really what it means to be open-hearted, really what it means to connect, to be touched and to touch touch another. Often those moments are totally unpredictable and something that is so we can't recapture, we can't repeat no matter how hard we try. Sometimes there's no logical reason, no logical sequence of events that leads to that capacity to be touched, to experience that true connection. Sometimes we experience those moments of connection with with nature. You know that we can be walking in the woods here and for some reason we don't know why. Suddenly we are still inwardly and we experience that stillness inwardly. And that inner stillness we experience seems to touch everything around us. And we can see, we can feel, we can touch in ways that feel very new to us. And we feel so present and so awake. Times we feel that connection with others. When we can be so filled with our busy thoughts and our rearrangements and our reorderings in our mind. And sometimes our child, your child can come to you and look at you in a particular way or just offer you something so simple. And you can feel so much of that just melt away. And you really realize what is significant in that moment is being present, is just being open. And it happens so spontaneously. At times, those moments of connection 
come about through being touched by the pain of others. You know, someone speaks to us of their pain and we feel that echo within ourselves and we feel ourselves responding. We can feel ourselves opening inwardly to embrace that other person. And at times those moments of really being present and really being conscious happen when we're alone with ourselves. And again, at times it's so unpredictable, but we can feel the busyness stop. We can feel that fascination with the busyness stop. And we can turn inwardly and embrace the totality of our own being, our strengths and our weaknesses, the things that we find acceptable and the things that we find unacceptable with the same open-heartedness, with the same generosity of spirit, without judgment and without evaluation. And there's a true sense of just being present so often in our lives, those moments are very fleeting. You know, they come and then they go. And we wonder where they've gone and we find ourselves immersed once more in these kind of mechanical mind movements or superficial ways of relating. And, if they, and then because that moment of being present has been so vital and profound, it makes a superficial or mechanical or disconnected way of living feel to be so terribly empty and artificial. And we yearn within ourselves. We yearn within ourselves to really know what it means to be present always, to be awake and to be alive and to be connected always. At times, that sense of being present happens because of some kind of crisis in our lives. And crisis has some kind of crisis or trauma really has the capacity to wake us up. You know, it may be that we, we fail in something that we really want to achieve, that we have a lot of investment in, some goal, some job, some, some achievement, and we simply fail. And the pain of that is so strong that it makes us stop and question the meanings of our lives, the identities we hold within ourselves. At times we're woken up, perhaps by separation. Someone that we care for a lot is separated from us, we're separated from them, either by distance or by rejection or by death. And we feel so woken up by that experience, by the pain of that experience. And again, we question and we know that we have to turn inwardly. We know that we have to turn inwardly and be present and to trust in ourselves. And yet we feel so attuned to the present moment. Those moments of receptivity, those moments of being awake and of being present offer us the possibility of questioning the meanings of our lives, the directions our lives are taken, taking, the identities we're assuming inwardly. Those moments of really being present offer us the possibility of making a new beginning, of nurturing and cultivating and staying connected with that open-heartedness and that receptivity and that sense of being awake. But too often our, our, our response to pain is the opposite. 
Often our response when something shatters around us or when something feels out of control around us or when we lose something that's important to us, at times our response in that moment is that we want immediately to reorder our worlds, to again assume some stance of control, some stance of being in charge. We want to recapture some element of predictability that was there prior to loss or prior to the devastation. And in trying, often in those moments when we take that option of just wanting to reorder our worlds, we turn away from something that is very important to us. We turn away from that possibility of beginning again. We turn away from that possibility of really exploring the depths of what it means to be truly connected. There are many factors that lead us to distance ourselves from the present moment. Many factors that lead us to preserve disconnection in our lives. Certainly one of the major factors that leads us to distance and to armor ourselves is fear. All of us have had experiences in our past, at times in our present, when we've known the pain of what it feels to be rejected, when we've known the pain of what it feels like to be undermined, when we know the pain of disapproval or condemnation, when we know the pain of loneliness or abandonment through not being acceptable in some way. That kind of pain that we have experienced in our past scars our vision of ourselves. And in order not to repeat that pain, we learn in small and large ways to armor ourselves and to protect ourselves against the moment, against the possibility of repetition of pain. We learn to armor ourselves through fear. You know, some, one of the ways that we armor ourselves <clears throat> is through creating an image, through trying to live through an image, through trying to construct an image of ourselves that we can present to the world. And usually what we try to present is an image that we feel will be acceptable. So often in presenting that image, it's based on who we should be, it's also based on who we feel we shouldn't be. We create, we try and construct an image for ourselves that we feel is going to invite approval, that's going to invite affirmation from others. And often in that image, of course, we learn to hide our vulnerability. We learn to hide our anxieties. We learn to hide our all-too-human fears we learn to hide, too, our capacity to be receptive and to be sensitive. And our image, if you repeat something often enough, it becomes a reality. You know, if you repeat something often enough, it becomes a truth. You know, so if you dwell upon something within yourself, if you believe in something strongly enough within yourself, 
and it is repeated, it becomes the truth of who you are. It becomes your belief system about who you are. A few weeks ago, a friend of mine, a friend of mine died, and before he died, he spoke and often about just the pain of his life. And he spoke about how for so many years he just lived an image. And to everyone else, they believed in his image. You know, he was very self-contained and strong and independent and gave a real presentation to others and to the world that he really didn't need anything. You know, he was very complete and very resourceful and was really comfortable in his aloneness and in the distance that he created between himself and others. He felt the need to construct that image because inwardly he said he felt so worthless and so inadequate and so unlovable and at times just evil. And so he lived for years presenting this image and it had a very strong effect. Other people believed in it. They left him alone because he was strong. He stayed within it. No matter how much he wanted to reach out to others for connection, for kindness, for love, he stayed locked within his image because of his fear. And he spoke about the pain of that. You know, and before he died, he said, you know, I feel just like a child, like I need to be taken care of in every way, but I can't let myself reach out to others because what happens if I reach out and they see how worthless I actually am? No one will actually be able to respond to me. And he died with that kind of pain. One thing what's so important for us to see is that we hold within our hands and we hold within ourselves. We are the only ones who hold within ourselves the capacity to begin to connect. We're the only ones who hold within ourselves the capacity to open that door to others, not just to give but also to receive that we're only, we are the only ones who can undertake and cultivate within ourselves that willingness to take risks in life, the risks of living without armor, the risks of living without guarantees, the li risks of living within who we are, and that maybe in living with taking those risks we will experience at times moments of rejection in our lives, we will experience at times moments of distance and disapproval. And yet it's only by taking those risks that we also open to ourselves to the capacity of knowing true connection. That we, when we begin to be honest with ourselves, we can enact and live that honesty in our relationships with others. All that we stand to lose by cultivating that open-heartedness are our illusions of safety and control. All that we will lose in taking those risks of living without armor is our sense of being exiled from each other and exiled inwardly. What we gain in beginning to take those risks of living without armor the possibility 
of coming to an authentic inner vision of who we are, of coming to authentic connection with others. Our fear, or the fear that we can experience inwardly, can be so very powerful. Powerful not just in distancing ourselves and others, but we need to see too that our fear is really the roots of our anger and our jealousy, that our fear is really the roots of our dismissal and contempt for others and for ourselves. And that fear that we experience within ourselves is magnified so many times over in the world around us. And we live in a world that is so filled with worrying and alienated people who don't know how to be present for each other. And so much of that worrying and alienation is simply rooted in fear. We may often wonder and ask ourselves how it's possible to live without fear how it's possible to live in a a life that's not governed by fear. There are no solutions and there's no formulas and there's no prescriptions. The only thing that we can actually do is to be willing to question our own fears. The only thing that we can do is to be willing to challenge our own ways of being, ways of relating, patterns of acting and reacting that are actually based upon fear. The only thing we can actually do, too, is to open ourselves inwardly to being with that fear. You know, fear is of the unknown. Fear is of what we don't know. What we have met, what we have understood, We don't fear. We fear what might be. We fear what might happen. We fear what could be. We don't fear what is. And when we can be present with what is, we do begin to meet the varying expressions of fears that arise within ourselves. All that we can actually do, all that we actually need to do, is to be present with what is. All that we actually can do and all that we actually need to do is to bring our attention to being present with what is. You know, when we turn our attention to being present with what is, times we experience so much noise, the noise of our resistances, the noise of our avoidances, the noise of our images and our constructs, And so many of those noises that we experience, so much of that distancing and avoiding and distracting is the noise of our fear. It's the noise of the fear of being present. If we turn again and again and again with gentleness and with softness and with receptivity and with openness to being present, we begin to discover too the silence and the stillness between the noises. When we're not overwhelmed and not frightened and made cautious and suspicious by those noises, we begin to discover that we can actually be present with that noise, those noises within ourselves, without struggle, 
without having to avoid, without having to resist. And in beginning to be present, we be, that is the beginning of acceptance. And acceptance is so important. Acceptance is the beginning of letting go of our should-be's and our models and our demands and our expectations of ourselves. And acceptance, too, is the beginning of understanding. And that being present and that acceptance and that opening to what is, is a true expression of sensitivity. And when we can begin to extend that inwardly to our own being, that sensitivity and that willingness to be present just with who we are, just with what is, in that willingness and the cultivation of those qualities, we're also cultivating the capacity to extend those same qualities to each other, that sensitivity, that acceptance, and that open-heartedness. Meditation practice to me is a practice of learning how to be open-hearted and mindful to each moment, how to be open-hearted and mindful to ourselves, how to be open-hearted and mindful to each thing that unfolds within ourselves in each moment. And with that open-heartedness and mindfulness, there is the willingness to be present, not to censor, not to judge, not to dismiss, and not to pursue. There's a willingness to be present. And in being present, there is understanding. And in being present, there is connection. And in being present with ourselves, we are present with all of life. And we're present with each other. And there's a true appreciation of the uniqueness and the preciousness and the possibilities for learning that each moment actually brings to us. May all beings live with sensitivity. May all beings live with open-heartedness. May all beings live with true connectedness. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.